Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's kind of a side note, I'll just let you know that you're blessing people in a way that you aren't even aware of. The congregation that I came from had an interim for three months. She left the end of the year, and they haven't found a new pastor yet willing to come up to their isolated mountain village, so I am sending my sermons to them each week. So you are blessing Faith Lutheran in Pierce, Idaho without even realizing it. Today's gospel text picks up shortly after Jesus has chosen and called his first disciples. He's been doing a lot of healing, and the people are following him day after day from town to town. Well, one day as the crowds were gathering, we're told that Jesus went up on a mountain. And he sat down, as rabbis do when they're going to teach, and the disciples knew that, so they are quickly coming to him to hear what it was he was about to share with them. And what he taught them is what we now call the Beatitudes. The rules of life are about to change. And Jesus came to bring about that change. Now too often we think, and I'm sorry to say some preachers have even taught, that the Beatitudes are like entrance requirements for the kingdom of heaven or conditions for being blessed. Now, be merciful, and then God will be merciful to you. Keep your heart pure, and God will reward you with the key to heaven. Demonstrate meekness in order to earn God's favor. Now, we may read these verses and think, am I pure enough in spirit? Am I committed to making peace? Am I willing to open myself up to persecution in order that I may be blessed? What we miss is that these verses are not a list of requirements in order to be blessed. They're a list of blessings already provided. Now, perhaps we do not feel worthy of blessings. Perhaps we know ourselves too well to feel worthy of such grace. Perhaps we remember that God knows us even better, and we find it hard to believe that God loves us unconditionally. We just cannot accept that God showers us with blessings apart from anything we have done or earned or deserved. Now, in reality, this passage is describing the nature of God's rule, the characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying that those who otherwise have no reason for hope or cause for joy, those who've been deprived of justice, for whom things have not been the way they ought to be, they are the people who will benefit when God rules, when his kingdom comes, when things will be set right. God is in the business of just plain blessings. <coughs> All kinds of people, 
In fact, God regularly shows up in mercy and blessing where we least expect God to be. With the poor rather than the rich. With those who are mourning rather than celebrating. With the meek and the peacemakers rather than the strong and victorious. As would be the norm for Jesus' ministry, all this is counter to what the world at that time functioned. See, in the first century Middle Eastern society, the esteem you commanded depended on how important your connections were. Your family members, your patrons, your business connections. If you were part of a very important family, you were important. If you were not connected to the right people, you were nobody. Now, we know in America, you know, pull up your bootstraps and rise up, right? Land of opportunity. It wasn't that way. It was almost a caste system. You were stuck. If you were nobody, nobody would want to do business with you. You would be pushed out of social relationships, leaving you with nothing to live on and no way to get out of that position. You would be destitute. Just the people Jesus says will be honored. The meek were those who refused to engage in contests of honor, which would affect the entire family, as well as refusing to be a man when challenged. The peacemakers would seek reconciliation rather than revenge on someone who wronged them. The pure in heart would be those who would eat with anyone who would eat with them, rendering them impure in the eyes of society. Following Jesus just did not make sense to the world unless you were one of those the world rejected. Then Jesus was your first and only hope. One of the reasons that we may not be receiving all the blessings that God wants to give us is that it requires us to accept the fact that we are broken people. Poverty of spirit is a sense of our inward and outward sins, of our guilt and hopelessness. We have to become vulnerable in life in a most basic way in order to embrace life as it is. And most of us find this quite difficult, if not downright impossible. It requires that we experience some measure of brokenness, which is something most of us spend a lot of energy and effort trying to avoid. We have to encounter what Anne Lamott calls the gift of failure. It sounds strange to us, but failure is a gift because it enables you to accept the humility of looking foolish, of being broken and flawed. And it's only through accepting our vulnerability that we find the path to peace, to blessedness, to life and pure happiness. Normally, I'm not a big fan of contemporary interpretation Bibles, 
However, I really like how the Beatitudes are stated in the Life Application Bible. It helps us to understand that the idea of being poor in spirit is the key to the rest of the Beatitudes. You cannot mourn without appreciating how insufficient you are to handle life in your own strength. You cannot be meek unless you know you have needed gentleness yourself. You cannot hunger and thirst for righteousness if you proudly think of yourself as already righteous. You cannot be merciful without recognizing your own need for mercy. You cannot be pure in heart if your heart is full of pride. You cannot be a peacemaker if you believe that you are always right. You cannot identify with Christ in the face of negative reactions from others without dying to yourself and renouncing your own rights. All of these Beatitudes are rooted in humility, being poor in spirit. As those who seek to follow Jesus Christ, we are called to embody a completely different vision of life. We're called to spend our lives working to extend God's mercy to the left out and beat down in this world. To seek to establish God's peace and God's justice for all the dispossessed and disenfranchised of this world. We are called to align our lives with those whom the world despises and rejects which means that we too will be despised and rejected because of our commitment to God's mercy and peace and justice. And as I was writing this, I had this picture come to my mind of sitting down and having lunch with somebody wearing a complete headscarf or even a burqa in downtown St. Helens. Now, I don't know your community that well yet to know what the reaction would be, but I know what it would be in most places. Would I be gutsy enough to do that? Because that's the disenfranchised in our country right now. Now, we ask ourselves if there's any place on earth for the community that the Beatitudes describe. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, there is one place and only one, and that is where the poorest, meekest, and most sorely tried of all men is to be found, on the cross at Golgotha. The community which is the subject of the Beatitudes is the community of the crucified. With him it has lost all, and with him it has found all. Wherever you find yourself in this world's scale of importance, know that you are important to God. And he has blessed you richly. You see, he has given you an acceptance that can never be questioned, Ephesians 1.6. An inheritance that can never be lost, 1 Peter 1, 3-5. A deliverance that can never be excelled, 
2 Corinthians 1.10. A grace that can never be limited, 2 Corinthians 12.9. A hope that can never be disappointed, Hebrews 6.18-19. A bounty that can never be withdrawn, 1 Corinthians 3.21-23. A joy that need never be diminished, John 15, verse 11. A nearness to God that can never be reversed. Ephesians 2, 13. A peace that can never be disturbed. John 14, 27. A righteousness that can never be tarnished. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And salvation that can never be canceled. Hebrews 5, 9. It's a pile of blessings. Now go forth to serve God in peace, humility, and with joy, knowing that God loves you. God bless you.